0: And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your Radio MD.
1: Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD, and we're barking at you from Tampa Bay, Florida. Of course, you can reach us anywhere in the world at 860-WGUL.com. That's 860-WGUL.com. Click Listen Live. It should be in the upper left-hand side of the webpage there. And since this is talk radio and interactive and we are the answer, you can also join the show at 813-289-1860. That's 813-289-1860 and toll free anywhere in North America, 877-969-8600, 877-969-8600. Well, you know, we spent a lot of time the past few weeks talking about economics and politics, and I'm a little worn out with all that, so I'm going to go back to some medical stuff today, if it's okay with you guys. I may ask a question, and whoever answers gets a $25 gift certificate. We'll give out a couple of those. But let's get back to what's important. I mean, whether you're rich or you're poor, uh, whether you're happy or sad, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything, and, you know, the. Federal Reserve Board and the Treasury, that's not what makes us personally healthy. What makes us personally healthy is doing the right things, eating properly, eating in moderation, exercising, drinking in moderation, no smoking, no drugs. What else matters? I mean, you know, if you're healthy, you you can be happy. You, You can continue on with your life. Well, how do we stay healthy? Well, again, keep active. Keep your weight down. I should say that for me too, drinking in moderation, you know, one or two glasses of wine a day are okay. A couple of beers, no more. The red wine is, is supposed to be uh, the the best for you because of the antioxidants. My wife swears by it. No smoking. And how do we get active now that we've made the decision to slim down and tone up? Chris and I were just talking about this before the show and he was wondering How accurate the machines are, the treadmills and the steppers and all that, when they tell you how many calories you have burned. And Chris was saying he used to think calories were just for chicks, for girls. And I told him what a calorie was. He says, I never knew that. And probably most people don't. A calorie is a measure of heat. It's the amount of heat needed to raise one milliliter, one cc of water, one degree centigrade, at standard temperature and pressure, at sea level and a certain temperature. So that's all a calorie is. Why is it important? Because the way we produce energy to make our muscles work and our brains work is to burn sugar. That's all we do is we burn sugar. It's oxygen and glucose, just like a gasoline engine. And the spark plug is uh, the thyroid hormones, and our own desire to get moving, but basically it's the same thing as a car or any combustion engine that burns hydrocarbons, and that's all sugars are, they're just short hydrocarbons. So we got to get active, we've got to burn some calories, but of course we have to make sure our heart and lungs are in good shape, and if we're overweight or we're getting uh, in our middle ages and we've been sedentary, haven't been doing much, might not be a bad idea to check with your doctor, See if you need a stress test. Make sure the heart's working okay. Make sure the lungs are in good shape. And pick activities that won't hurt us, that won't put us at risk. And there are some that do. Uh, For the most part, most of the exercises and exercising regimens we do are fairly safe. So we'll talk about that in a minute not only safe and low risk activities, but also something that especially as we get on in our years, you know, I'm 66 now, I have to be concerned about my joints, my knees and my low back, family history of osteoarthritis, and certainly I am not going to go out and jog. I've also had a neck injury, and you may not want to jog, and you probably shouldn't jog if you're my age and you haven't been a jogger all your life because it's hard on the joints. So we have to pick something that is joint-friendly. We have to pick something that is aerobic. That means that we don't push ourselves beyond the limits of what our muscles can do with oxygen and glucose. What happens when you can't get enough oxygen to your muscles? Well, then you go into what's called anaerobic, no air, no oxygen metabolism, and then we start kicking out fatty acids And utilizing those and the byproduct of those is acidic to our body. And so that's why we ache when we work out too hard. And we want to start off slow and gradual and work our way up so that we don't end up falling into anaerobic activity. Well, why do you go from anaerobic to aerobic as you condition yourself? Well, the blood vessels learn to dilate again and the muscles learn to use glucose and oxygen more efficiently. But if you're over 50, again, I'd say, I would not jog. I would not do any major weight-bearing sports. I love bicycling. And walking is pretty good, too. A lot of people like to walk. Both are easy, inexpensive, joint-friendly, sociable, scalable. You can start off walking five or ten minutes or riding your bike around the block a couple of times and over a period of weeks, work your way up to a 30-minute pretty good burn, pretty good exercise regimen. And how safe is bicycling? Believe it or not, it's safer than swimming. I, I didn't realize that either until I did some research today, so I'm a little bit surprised. And we don't need a swimming pool to, to ride our bike. Well, what are the riskiest sports? And I'm not necessarily talking about sports that are healthy for us in terms of burning calories, but any kind of activity. Base jumping or hang gliding, the Death rate per 100,000 is about 43, and that's the highest risk activity that one can do. Swimming, surprisingly, uh, is is not a close second, but it does come in second. It's around two deaths per 100,000. Cycling is about one death per 100,000. Running, the same. Skydiving is relatively safe, although I don't know how many calories you burn doing that. And then soccer is about the same. It's it's 0.97, around one. Uh, fatality per 100,000 population, whereas American football is even less. It's about five, I'm sorry, about 0.5, less than one per 100,000. So American football is actually safer than soccer. And for those parents out there who are wondering about their kids, is it safe? Yeah, it's a relatively safe sport. It really is. And I think that that's because of the Uh, rules and regulations and the padding and the helmets and that's all getting better every year. I know Chris's boys are playing football or they were. Yes, sir. And so that's important for parents and grandparents to know. So there are a lot of activities that are safe and and bicycling is a very safe activity. You run the risk of about one death per 100,000 people on bicycles at any time. So the, the really... Dangerous or life-threatening activities again are going to be base jumping, hang gliding, and if you if you enjoy being a civilian pilot, you're pretty high risk for dying. There were 378 deaths in 2010 in the United States. Mountain climbing about 25 per year, and this uh, this avalanche uh, and uh, this earthquake over in Nepal. Apparently, there were some people at the base of. Um, of the Himalayas, and I guess some of them were buried by the, uh, by the, the, um, the snow and the ice that came crashing down the mountain, so that is a dangerous sport. Skydiving is relatively dangerous compared to other things. It's not that dangerous, really. Recreational boating, I didn't know this, There were 736 deaths in 2009 from recreational boating. Motorcycles, the, the, The transplant teams love you guys to ride motorcycles with no helmets. They are organ donor machines. They're great. How can you be safe on a motorcycle? Wear a helmet. Be defensive in your driving. Don't speed. I know that's hard to do when we're young. I did the same thing. I had a bike, and I'd go speeding down the road at 90 miles an hour on that thing. But one weekend in the emergency room, and that cured me. I sold the bike and got rid of it. Scuba diving, about 150 per year. So that's, that's not a real high uh, number of deaths for the number of people that actually scuba dive. It's a pretty popular sport. So what are we looking at? Heart disease, we have moderate risk from heart disease. It's still the number one killer in the United States. Base jumping, swimming falls below base jumping, very low risk. Actually, snow skiing is very, very, very low risk for dying. Well, that may well be, but it's hard on the joints, I'll tell you that. I had to give it up. It's too much for me. Well, you say, well, how do I know if I'm overweight? How do I know if I'm obese? How do I know where I fall on the curve? And and what do I have to do? Where should I shoot for? How do I get to that point? Well, first of all, we need to look at you and say, what is your body mass index? What the heck is body mass index? Body ma- mass index is the ratio of your weight in kilograms, weight in kilograms, divided by your height in meters squared. So it's going to be kilograms divided by meters squared of height. And we get what we call the body mass Body mass index, and that helps us determine where you fall on the scale. So we know that your body mass index, if it's under 19, you're underweight. And we know that the death rate goes up for people who have a body mass index of 20 or less. Normal is going to be 18, 19, 20 to about 24, 25. And that's the average. Overweight, 25 to 29.9. Obese, 30 to 34.9 moderately obese 35 to 39.9 severely obese is greater than 40 so well where do you fall in this doc well I did the calculation and I'm right about at uh 27 so I am overweight I am overweight and I did that by taking 86 kilograms which is my weight in in the metric system and divided by 1.8 meters and I squared the meters of course. So that's how you get it. And it gave me a twenty-six point five twenty-seven body mass index. So I got to watch myself. I'm starting to get back up there and I don't like it. Summer's coming. I got to get back in my bikini. And if I can't get in my bikini, I'm not going to be happy. So that's what body mass index is. And that's a number that you and I and all of us should know about ourselves. It's a weight-to-height ratio, and again, it's calculated by dividing one's weight in kilograms by the square of one's height in meters. So if I'm 190 and five foot ten, my body mass index is about 27. And I did that by turning 190 into kilograms. It's easy to do. You just go on the Internet, and you can get one of those conversion things. It just pops right up, and you just put in your weight in pounds. It'll convert it to kilograms. And I'm 86 kilos, and my height is 1.8 meters. There's also on the Internet and Google, just a quick little box. You open the menu and select meters to feet, and you got it. And that's how I calculated mine. You can do the same thing. It's easy to do, and I think it's a real eye-opener. It certainly is for me. I didn't realize I was getting up there like that, but I am. Okay, well, what if you want a really accurate, and and we were talking about this before the show, a really accurate assessment of your pre-exercise abilities? And we use the treadmill in the office. There's also bicycle uh, protocols that could be used, stationary bike protocols. But we use the treadmill in our office. I know the treadmills are not 100% safe. They're that that, uh, guy that started some Internet company he died when he fell off the treadmill last week in mexico on vacation not at the four seasons he was staying there but apparently was exercising somewhere else fell off hit his head nobody knew i guess he bled to death that's what i could gather from the reports from the doctors they found him several hours later took him to the hospital and he arrested and died so it's rare but accidents do happen Should you get on a treadmill if you're my age? I'd be careful because our sense of balance or our ability to balance decreases for most of us as we get older. And getting on a treadmill, if we lose our balance, those things can fling you right off and you hit your head and and you've got a big problem. So I, I don't personally get on the treadmill. And a lot of my doctor friends who are older, they don't want to get on the treadmill. They'll go out and jog but they won't do it on a treadmill, so just be careful with that. So back to how we measure your abilities or your level of function metabolically and what you can and cannot handle, and we use what we call metabolic equivalents, METS, M-E-T-S. And this is the amount of oxygen that we consume while sitting at rest. And they did this back in the 1930s and 40s using 70 kilo men, 70-kilogram men, so that's about 145, 150 pounds, somewhere in there, males, and they hooked them up with non-rebreather apparatus, and they had oxygen coming in, and they measured the amount of carbon dioxide that came out, and did that not only for being at rest, but for different exercise levels, and did it over a period of years, and put tables together to tell us what a MET is, and how many METs you've expended. So it's the amount of energy per kilogram per minute that we use. We use, well, we don't, but the ideal 70-kilo man in the 1930s and 40s burned 3.5 milliliters of oxygen per kilogram per minute. You don't need to remember the formula. Just got to remember that you burn oxygen, and at rest you burn X amount, 3.5, milliliters of oxygen per body weight every minute and then we can go on multiples of that. So it's the energy cost of activity and relative energy cost oxygen cost of the activity is what we look at and we have charts and we do that with this and so we know that your death mortality risk goes up the less METs you're able to achieve. We want to get you up to about five or six mets on the treadmill unless we're just doing a a, a, a targeted study where we just want to see what your exercise capacity is and we're not interested in, in trying to stress you to the point of having a heart attack. So we do do that for for exercise, exercise capacity, and then we can prescribe from there. So less than five mets, it's bad news. Your risk of dying is one5 per year. And that's a number that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But if your average risk is is one, then you've gone up a 50% in your risk of dying as you get older every year. Now, what if you can get to 10 mets? Well, then you go down below average, you're down to about 0.37. So we can gauge where you're at under normal circumstances by putting you on the treadmill and seeing how many METs you can achieve, how much oxygen you can burn before you say, I can't do it anymore, my legs are cramping, or I can't breathe, or I'm having chest pain, or I'm fatigued and i got to get off or I'm going to fall off of the treadmill. So that's how we do it. We actually use science. Believe it or not, some doctors are actually using science. Hey, by the way, don't worry about the healthcare mess. Uh, The system will be reformed and all will be resolved by the time we die so we don't have to worry about that anymore we'll put that behind us so where are we now we've gone to the doctor he says we're okay and now we want to start exercising well there's a plethora of information and misinformation about exercise fitness and health and we want to minimize the confusion for patients and it's our job as your doctor to guide you in terms of what kind of activity and how much and when and where, what's safe and what's not, just like I'm doing right now. And in a sense, it's a prescription that we give you. We say, your heart's okay. I don't see any evidence of blocked arteries because we did the treadmill test and we put you under the nuclear camera and looked at everything. And it's all good. Of course, nothing's 100%. But it's all good. And so here's a prescription. I want you to start exercising 30 minutes a day, at least five days a week, And I want you to get your heart rate up to 80% of your target. And I want you to burn so many calories if you're going to be on a machine or if you have a little wristwatch that uh, counts your calories. And they do that by measuring your, your body temperature over time to see how much you are burning up. So we give you your prescription. And, of course, we have to be careful with special populations like the elderly, those who are overweight or obese, history of high blood pressure or diabetes or cholesterol problems. And we want to take a little closer look at you guys. And the current recommendations from the American Heart Association for middle-aged and older adults is to, again, stick to aerobic exercise. If you're getting too short of breath, you're probably getting into anaerobic exercise where you have some lung problems that need to be addressed. And we supplement this by some muscle strengthening a few times a week. You get some Two and a half or five pound weights, and just walk around the house for a half an hour and do some curls and lifts and all that. And uh, you don't have to really expend a whole lot of money or time or effort. You don't have to join a health club unless you like that and you want to be around people. And some people are more comfortable exercising when other people are there, kind of do what everybody else around you is doing. I can't stand to go to the gyms and the spas. I just, I never could. I don't know why. I just would rather be on my bicycle alone. Probably I talk to so many people during the day and deal with so many people. It's it's a little break for me. So I get not only physical but mental health there. So works for me. But if you're the kind of person who likes to be around other people, go join a gym. Watch out for these year-long contracts. That's a bunch of baloney. And you don't want to go to the gym, but you do want to walk. You don't want to ride a bike. So a brisk walk, 15 to 20 minutes per mile, and you can work your way up to that. So uh, if you go 30 minutes, you're talking a couple of miles. That's not bad. So you can do that. Even lower intensity for those unable to sustain a speed of of 15 miles per hour, I'm sorry, 15 minutes per mile, Uh, can go slower and can Take it easy, and we have some very old people in our neighborhood here who jog. They look like they're barely moving, but they're, they're exercising, and we have people that walk a lot, couples, and the, elder, the more elderly usually are slowing down. That's okay. We don't want to kill you. We just want to get you out there doing something. Now, more moderate or vigorous intensity activities include jogging or getting in the pool and swimming at a good clip. And we want you to exercise once you've achieved your ability to do 30 minutes of good sustained aerobic activity, about 30 minutes a day. Again, five to seven days a week. If you do it every day, you get in the habit, then it's second nature. Just form a good habit and keep doing it. And, of course, we want to gradually increase the exercise volume as we go. So we'll start off slow and work our way up. And this will maximize the benefits as well as condition us And by conditioning, I mean forcing the blood vessels to dilate more, so more oxygen and blood, blood with oxygen gets in there, and uh, more nutrients. And, of course, we're going to lose weight as we exercise, so that will also be less stress on our system. And there are potentials for death inherent in any structured exercise program, but it's very rare. It's very rare, especially things like walking or jogging or riding a bicycle or swimming. All these things are easy to do and it's very rare that that we have any deaths. We've had a couple over here in St. Pete in the past few years for bicycling and one guy was just sitting on the the curb, actually not even on the curb, he was sitting on the sidewalk Uh, there was a little wall that was a retaining wall for the gas station and he was sitting there with his bicycle waiting for the light to change and there was an accident and one car careened into him and killed him. So it's rare, but it does happen, and there are people who are at higher risk, and we know this because we see deaths occasionally, usually in younger people, who have some kind of underlying heart disease, and they'll drop dead on the field. And we hear about this at football training and uh, different sports that are very uh, intense and very demanding of the heart to pump out blood. And if there are some blockages to the outflow of blood, not blockages to the arteries feeding the heart, but blockages to the outflow of blood from the left ventricle into the aorta, then we can see some sudden deaths, as we call them, sudden cardiac deaths, because they have what we call hypertrophic, which means enlarged cardiomyopathy, which means heart disease. So there can be parts of the heart muscle that are abnormally enlarged, and they're pooching into the chambers where the blood is supposed to flow out of, and when the demand increases and they can't meet it, then their heart is also doing without oxygen, and they have rhythm disturbances, and they die, but that's rare, and that that can be checked. You just have to get your kids or your grandkids out there to the doctor, have them listen for a murmur. If there's any murmurs and they need an ultrasound... and so on and so forth. But this is not new, the potential for death. And legend has it that Pheidippides, who you may not remember, ran from the battlefield of Marathon to Athens, which is about 26 miles in three hours. He was a messenger in the army. And you say Marathon? I say, yeah, Marathon. Now you know where the word Marathon comes from. It comes from Pheidippides running from Athens, I'm sorry, to Athens, from the battlefield called Marathon in Greece, back before the birth of Christ, long way back there. And he was carrying news to Athens, the Athenians, that they were victorious over the invading Persians. See, see, see what I mean? The Persians were causing trouble, the they're the Iranians now, by the way. They were causing trouble for us even way back then. So the Athenians were victorious, and he ran to bring the news, and he dropped dead uh, after making that run. And the doctors then thought that he died from exhaustion because they didn't know what else to call it. And was this a 26-mile 26 run, 26 run that killed Pheidippides? Probably not. He probably had something else like some underlying heart condition or his electrolytes, his potassium and magnesium, were off or his sodium was too low in his bloodstream. And he had actually run days prior uh, to the battle at Marathon, Pheidippides we're talking about. And the Athenians sent him to Sparta to ask for help. Sparta, were, were the uh, they were the warrior city-state in the Greek peninsula at that time. And the Spartans said, no, we're not coming. And he ran rugged mountainous terrain, 140-mile course in about 36 hours, pretty good. And then he ran back to Athens. And then the day of the battle, he's also the runner between the uh, generals who are commanding the battle and the front-line officers who are leading the battle in the field. So he's back and forth. And, and one thing this does tell us, even back then, is that humans are capable of long-sustained athletic activities, like running marathons. And we know that this is true because we have millions of people that run marathons every year in the United States. So at the end of all of this, he was charged with the last task of running back to Athens and telling the Athenians that the Persians had been defeated, the Iranians. So we probably will never know exactly what killed him, but we do know that exercise, on very rare occasions can be fatal you say well what about other health benefits you know what unbelievably the risk for cancer deaths for trauma deaths for car accidents for anything that is not medically related to the act of exercising decreases it decreases all causes why well we're probably more alert we're probably safer, we don't smoke, we're watching our diet, we cut down on our fat intake. All those things lead to an overall healthier lifestyle and a decrease in our risk of dying. So that's a pretty good thing. It's not just heart disease that we're staving off with with activity. It's also cancer and accident deaths, trauma, uh, all kinds of things. Anything that you can think of that could kill you can be decreased Just by being active and exercising. Well, I'm going to run and grab another cup of Joe so I can keep this show going. And Chris is going to put a little music on for us. Go ahead, Chris. And I'll be right back. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD.
2: With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Oklahoma investigators are waiting for blood test results to determine if drugs or alcohol contributed to a deadly crash into a crowd watching Oklahoma State's homecoming parade yesterday. Three adults died at the scene. A two-year-old died later. Authorities in Northern California are hunting for a killer this morning. Officials say a gunman fled after firing into a car in the parking lot of a Northern California shopping center, killing one man. Southeastern Texas bracing for heavy rains thanks to a powerful storm system getting a boost from the remnants of Hurricane Patricia today. The storm system has been flooding parts of the state for several days. And medical charity Doctors Without Borders says the number of people killed when their clinic in northern Afghanistan was bombed is now up to 30, including, quote, seven unrecognizable bodies, the attack an inadvertent one by U.S. forces. This is SRN News. The Captain's America, third watch. They just had a big to do in Texas at one of the largest mega churches called the Prestonwood Baptist
0: Church in Plano, Texas. They had six candidates there. Jeb Bush was one of them. He was the last one scheduled to speak. They stuck around to hear Ted Cruz, Ben Carson, Rick Santorum, Mike Huckabee, Carly Fiorina, and Jeb Bush got up as the last speaker, and people started to walk out. Overnight from 2 to 6 on AM, 860. The answer. I read where the University of Texas lost a
2: hundred spare brains it was keeping in jars in a basement room.
0: Dave
3: Perkins.
2: After I ruled out a faculty bus crash as the reason for a spare hundred brains, I wondered why they were being kept in a room in the basement. Turns out it was a refrigerated
1: storage center for all the spare Republican spines and Democrat souls. This is Dave Perkins.
0: Meet you here bright and early Sunday morning at
2: 5 on AM 860, The Answer.
4: Are you ready to take your education to the next level? Arizona State University now offers over 90 top-tier degree programs, 100% online. With ASU's highly ranked online programs, you'll earn the same degree as our on-campus students, with the ability to learn wherever you want, whenever you want. Same world-renowned faculty, same leading education, same global recognition from one of the top universities in the world. Call 1-800-581-5369. That's 1-800-581-5369. I'm Jamie from Sherman Oaks, and I just graduated with my degree from Arizona State University. I chose ASU because I received the quality education I deserve in the major I wanted, all from my home. Jamie's not the only one to earn a degree from ASU. There are over 90 degree programs offered 100% online from one of the top universities. Now's the time to learn more about earning your degree online from Arizona State University. Call 1-800-581-5369. That's 1-800-581-5369
5: partly sunny and warm today's high 88 cloudy tonight low 71 pleasant with periods of clouds and sunshine tomorrow high 87 cloudy tomorrow night low 72 cloudy on tuesday high 86 that's your AccuWeather weather forecast i'm jason stevens for am 860 the answer
0: the following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time
1: That was a little bit of rascal Flatts. Life is a highway. Maybe we're going to ride it too. We've got to. We've got to get on the road. And right after the show, I'm going to jump on my bicycle and pump my way up to the hospital and make rounds. It's about a seven mile trip one way. If I go both ways, it's getting close to 15 miles. You wander around a little bit, drop by the Home Depot. Great way to burn up some calories and stay healthy and young. We're talking about exercise and whether or not exercise is. Uh, decreases all-cause deaths, increases our lifespan, no doubt about it. Study after study has shown this. The latest one that I saw was from Copenhagen University in Denmark, and there were 13,375 women, 17,265 men. Their age ranges were anywhere from 20 to 93, 93 years old, and they were just randomly selected. It was not uh, a, a situation where we were looking back. this was a pro forward study, so people were just randomly selected, and that way it kept the bias out of the the uh, the uh, investigation and compared with sedentary age and sex adjusted mortality rates went down the more you exercised. didn't matter what you did as long as you were burning calories. The big thing and that has been shown over and over again is that people who ride their bicycle to work are healthier and have a lower mortality rate and live longer. So there's no doubt that activity, physical activity, exercise, burning calories is one of the best things we can do for health. Hippocrates preached this 2,500 years ago, and we continue to preach it today. Watch your diet and exercise regularly. And I say five times a week at least. If you can do it, go seven. And we're talking about jogging, walking, cycling, swimming. Those are probably the four big ones. And even if you're in your 80s or 90s and, and you want to stay fit and you have some joint problems, you can do water aerobics. No, you're not going to burn as many calories, but you'll stay healthier. You'll feel better. Not everybody can do it. Not everybody can do it. So, leisure time, physical activity is important. It's as important as what we eat. It's as important as not smoking. It's as important as watching our weight. And we want to make sure, again, that our body mass index is below 25. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Again, the body mass index is our weight in kilograms divided by our height in meters squared. So... My body mass index is 86 kilograms and 3.24, which equals 27. So I'm a little bit overweight, guys, and I want to get down below 25. And age-adjusted, it doesn't matter. You're going to do better if you exercise. Well, how do you know you're exercising to your potential? We like to use target heart rate, which is – easy for people to do. You can get the little wristwatches that tell you what your heart rate is or you can jump on the, the stepper or the treadmill and a lot of these if you grab the, the rails it'll tell you what your heart rate is. And our target heart rate is 220 minus our age. So if I'm 66 years old, let me do that math real quick. That's 150 something, somewhere in there, huh? So That's my target heart rate of 100%. We'd like to see you get to 80% of your target heart rate. 80% is good. And we not only want you to get there, but we want you to sustain that for 25 to 30 minutes. And if you do that, you're going to get the full benefit of the activity. And that's a cheap, easy way to figure out whether or not you're adequately exercising. Are you getting your heart rate up high enough and sustaining that for long enough now, some people have irregular heart rhythms, and they can't do that they can't utilize that and If you do have an irregular heart rhythm and your doctor has not checked you out, go see him and do an e k g can put a holter monitor on you, which is uh a uh, an e k g that runs over twenty four to forty eight hours It's a little pack you carry on your hip you got some leads on your chest, and you go home and Wear that thing, do your usual activities. Don't get in the shower with it, though. Don't take a bath or you're going to ruin my equipment. So you you do that, and you bring it back, and we put it in the machine, and the machine scans every heartbeat over the time period that we recorded it. And so we can see if you're having rhythm disturbances. Now, sometimes we can't see that on just a holter because you only have those rhythm disturbances, those extra heartbeats or skipped heartbeats, once a month or once every two weeks. So we can give you a little little device that you actually just hold up to your chest when you feel it, and it will record that. You push the button record, and then you can transmit that over the telephone, and we can look at that and tell you whether or not those are extra heartbeats or whether that's just your, your esophagus and your stomach having spasms. But overall, your target heart rate is 220 minus your age and then get up to about 80% of your of your 100% target and keep it up there for 25 to 30 minutes and you'll do well overall. And again, simple, easy, cheap things to do. If you don't want to join a gym, you don't want to buy a treadmill, just go out and walk, brisk walking, riding your bicycle. Takes me about 30 minutes in a flat wind to get from the house to the hospital and that's exactly what we want we want 30 minutes of sustained aerobic activity getting our heart rate up say well when you first start off doc are you are you hitting it hard are you going 100 percent? no i'm not going 100 percent, but i get up there pretty quick because i've been doing this for years so i'm reasonably well conditioned and you can do that too and you don't have to do it all in one day or one week You can build up to your activity level, your exercise capacity over a period of a month or two. No need to kill yourself. Remember, if you're having chest pain or inordinately extra short of breath, having problems breathing, uh, having real heavy fatigue, then you need to come in and see your doctor, get your heart and your lungs worked up. It's easy to do these days. So that's my feeling is that we should... Get moving, get off our butts. And you know, the leisure time physical activity is basically inversely proportional to all cause mortality. I was talking about this before the break. All cause means trauma, cancer, accidents, suicides, homicides, any and all cause mortality go down. And so the more you exercise, the lower your risk of dying from any number of things, including heart disease. And that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So I have a question for, for someone out there for a gift certificate, $25 gift certificate to the restaurant of my wife's choice. I guess that's a bad thing to be given a, a gift certificate to a restaurant when I'm talking about losing weight and exercising. Oh, well, there you go. What is your favorite activity and how long can you maintain that activity, your sporting activity, your exercise activity? What is your favorite activity, sporting exercise activity? I am at 813-289-1860. That's 813-289-1860 and 877 969 That's toll free, 877 877- Nine six nine eighty six hundred. Give me a call. Let me know what your favorite activity is and how long you can sustain that, if it's thirty minutes or fifteen or whatever. And I want to hear from you, and I'll give you a gift certificate. This is Dr. Bill's radio show, so I can give them out if I want. So the lowest level of activity had the highest in these studies, had the highest mortality rate. The highest level of activity had the lowest mortality rate. And it goes across all ages because the study was from 20 years old to 92 years old. Sex doesn't matter. And the activity doesn't matter as long as you achieved your target. And probably the best that was correlated with outcomes was the bicycling to work. And Denmark's fairly flat, so that's pretty easy to do. It's like Florida, it's a peninsula. A little colder up there. But we have the ideal situation here because it's relatively flat. So for those of us who are getting older, heart's a little stiffer. Lungs are a little less uh, capable than when I was 20 or 30. This is a wonderful place. I don't have to go up many hills. You can, you can ride safely on the Pinellas Trail if you live in, in the Pinellas County area. <clears throat> and I think that Hillsboro has some trails, too. And wherever you live in Florida, the United States or Canada, you can find trails. There's wonderful trails in Toronto, been up there. There's all kinds of trails in in, uh, San Francisco. And so there's plenty of opportunity. And a lot of the cities now have these uh, city city bikes. Uh, They're pretty cool uh, because you can rent a bike for a day and the, the way it It is, is there's docking stations, and you put your credit card in, and you get a bike out. 30 minutes you have to ride it, and you got to put it back, but you can take another one right out. So you can ride all over town and have a great time. We've got Emily from Clearwater. Emily, what's up, my friend? What do you like? Hi,
5: Dr. Bill, and happy Mother's Day to all the ones you care for and love. My activity is rebounding. What is it? Rebounding, bouncing. On a therapeutic trampoline, I have this trampoline. It's a mini trample that folds in half, and I bounce on it. I have a bar with it, and after 15, 20 minutes, I could just feel the life effect effect to it, and I'm just like my joints are loosened up, and That's and great. I feel alert. Yes, sir.
2: <laughs> I didn't think
1: about that, but that you know, if it's safe, if it has a a safety bar that you can hang on to, that That's sounds good.
2: Absolutely. That's that's
1: that's really pretty cool. Well your your sense of balance must be pretty good too.
5: It is. Sir, yes, sir. And I've done it also for my parents as I caregiver for them and they would sit on the chair and and as sit in the chair and their feet would just laying on my little mini trampoline there and
1: <laughs> That's pretty good.
5: Cool. Yeah.
1: I never thought of that, but that that you know uh, I've seen the we had a mini trampoline for our son. Of course, the kids just came in and they they used it to swan dive into the couch, basically. But yeah, that's a good idea. You get your little rail that you can hang on to, and you don't have to jump real high. You just go up and down. It's it's uh, low impact, so low it's easy ex- joints. Yeah, nice, nice. Yes, and
5: it's really thoroughly. It just does a lot for you, and um, and it just. Really gives me that wake up in the morning because i'm wake- I wake up real stiff and sometimes pain because of you know with the hernia disc and the arthritis, and that helps it does
1: Good. Uh, do you do you measure your heart rate Do you try and get, target heart rate and sustain
5: that not as as I ought to no sir, I do not
1: all right well, we won't hold that against you, Miss Emily, and we will give you a gift certificate, so oh, you, you, you
5: will to- thank you. Yeah.
1: And uh, tell Chris uh, your information, and we'll get that out to you sometime this week. We've got another caller, Joe from St. Pete. Joe, what's up, bud?
3: Hey, Dr. Bill. Hey. Um, I my, uh, my exercise is uh, swimming, and I, I do lap swimming. And um, I've um, swum, swum most of my life off and on. But um, I, I, can do, I can sustain it for quite a while. I used to swim master swimming, too. And uh, we we competed and so forth. But the to, the most interesting thing about that to me is the the number of people that I have run into who are in their 70s, 80s, and even 90s that still swim. And uh, I mean, pretty good distance too.
1: Yeah, and, so, and you know, uh, a lot of people don't know what the Masters swimming program is. The uh, the master's program is a competitive program, and it's uh, largely been populated by people who swam competitively as kids. And you, you have teams just like kids do. And, you know, North Shore Park swims against South Shore Park, and it, it's a great way to, to exercise, have fun. And for a lot of guys, we need a goal like that. So that's, that's good. I need that goal just like you do to make myself feel that I'm doing something. I can't just go out and ride a bike for fun i got to be going somewhere. i got to go to work or to the restaurant. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you probably feel the same way.
3: Yeah, I like, I like to uh, challenge myself, and uh, I, I go up to uh, two 3,000 yards on a, in a workout. And the great thing about swimming is that if you alternate and you can do weight training or jog uh, the next day, and it's not as hard on your joints. And your muscles because swimming gives you a break because it's, it's, it's not as uh, rough on you as, as the other, the pounding of the running and so forth. And I'm 70 years old and I can outswim most people in their 20s who, who haven't uh, swum much, I should say. <laughs> That's probably the way to say it.
1: Yeah, I was a swimmer. I swam competitively. I, I barely missed one in the state in my, in my bracket, but uh, I missed my turn and I got touched out by two tenths of a second. My goodness. But t- it's a wonderful way to stay active and healthy and fit. And I have saw older people even back when I was a kid in the 50s and 60s who were, for that era, very old. They were in their 70s and 80s, yeah. and they, they were swimming every day, swimming laps. It was unbelievable. But it is a wonderful way. It's non-weight-bearing, folks, and it's relatively safe. It's not as safe as riding a bicycle, but if you're in with a group uh, or you're at a pool where there's a lifeguard, then you should be okay. Should be okay, and so that's wonderful. Listen, I appreciate you sharing that with us, Joe. It takes me back to my childhood and uh, being on swimming meets and traveling throughout the South. And oh gosh, what great memories! I can't. Well, you,
3: do- should, you should get back into the program, Doctor Bill. There's a lot of people that come out that are, you know, that haven't that used to swim competitively. In fact, most like you pointed out earlier on, most people like myself swim competitively. And then we got away from it and still exercised and then got back into it. And there are a lot of people that come out in their 40s, 50s, and 60s even and and compete again. So it's really great.
1: Well, my problem, Joe, is that I had a neck injury, broke my neck in 81 and had a fusion and kind of clipped one of the nerve roots going to my right arm. So if I do too much... Uh, you know, reaching and pulling with that arm, it, it starts to hurt pretty bad. So cool. I'm kind of stuck, and I found the bicycle with with lots of uh, shock absorbers and <laughs> yeah. the right it's- seat is, is actually okay for me. I can do it, but, oh, gosh, I miss swimming so much. It is a wonderful sport, folks. If you've never been a big swimmer but you know how to swim, any time, like Joe said, is the right time to get back into it. And we're in the perfect place you got summer most of the year, and we heat most of our pools in the area. So you can go to the public pools, and a lot of them are heated. It's wow. great.
3: Exactly. All
1: right, Joe, we'll give Chris your information. I appreciate you giving us a shout. And, thank uh, you. And look forward to hearing from you again.
3: I love your show. It's great. It's always well, good stuff. Always good stuff.
1: Thanks, man. appreciate you, too. I thank couldn't thank do, it Could do it without you guys. Could not do it without you guys. Could not. Wonderful. At any rate, we're talking about exercise and getting up to your target heart rate. So it's getting close to the end of the show. What's it, about uh, four minutes left, Chris? Less than four minutes. So I'll just recap. All-cause death is inversely proportional to activity level, leisure time, sporting activity level, whether it's swimming, riding a bicycle, jumping on a trampoline, uh brisk walking, whatever you can do to get out and burn calories. Okay, The way we burn calories is very simple. A calorie is the amount of heat that it takes, just heat, to raise one cc, one milliliter of water, one degree centigrade. That's in the metric system. And a metabolic equivalent is the amount of oxygen that we consume at different levels of activity. So, are met at rest as 3.5 milliliters of oxygen. How do you do that? Well, you've got to burn the oxygen with the sugar, just like you burn gasoline with oxygen, and you produce the same waste products, CO2, carbon dioxide, which we exhale, and water. And that's exactly what our car engines do. They they produce heat and combustion. Turns the crankshaft, and then the waste products or the after products are water and carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is what the uh, what the uh, environmentalists are concerned about. And so, 3.5 milliliters of oxygen is consumed per kilogram of body weight of our weight per minute, and we can scale up from there by putting you on the treadmill to make sure that you're okay for activity or to see if you can achieve any level of activity that is uh, reasonable for you. And you may not. You may crap out at, at three or four mets, in which case we're going to take a closer look at your heart and your lungs. Or if, you, if you're older and you're severely deconditioned, we may say, well, the, the studies of your heart and your lungs are, look Okay. Let's start with a, an exercise program. I'm going to give you a prescription. I want you to start off five minutes a day for a week, then 10 minutes. Here's how much I want you to do. I want you to watch your heart rate. And watching your heart rate is an easy and, and good way, and your target heart rate is 220, 220 minus your age. So if you're 60, it's 160. Now, most people are not going to get up to 160 and keep it there for 30 minutes. So we'll, we'll say 80 to 85% of your target heart rate. So that's a way to do it. And you utilize these factors, and you, you look at what you're doing and wear your wristwatch and see what your heart rate is and get on your treadmill or get out and ride and walk. A lot of cheap, easy ways to do it. You'll prolong your life. You'll be happier and healthier. Chris, are we got that music keyed up, dude? I want to hear that. Let's do it, man, and let's get out of here. I got to get on my bike. I got to ride, baby. I got to ride. All right, are you playing it? Oh, boy. Hey, listen. Oh, it will? Okay, well, then we won't do that. So we got uh, got uh, Rascal Flatts. I well, love that song. Isn't that a great song? That just makes me feel so happy when I hear that that exercise love kisses and hugs appreciate us we will see you next week this is
2: dr bill your radio md and 500 and-